if you don't have any views on your brand page or on your product page, and then you have these like great UGC videos you're running somewhere else, then the consumer or the potential consumer is going to click through and then see that you don't have any sales on your product. Nobody is actually bought or reviewed your product anyway. Do you feel you're wasting money you could be keeping in your pocket? Well, many private label Amazon sellers don't even know where they're wasting money, let alone how to stop it. And if that's you, we can help. Our new online assessment helps you identify your biggest Amazon profit killer and what to do about it. For a powerful and quick diagnosis, go to amazonprofitquiz.com. That's amazonprofitquiz.com to get your instant free analysis straight away. Ladles and jelly spoons, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10 Cake Collective Podcast, the place to be for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and private label sellers. If you sell on other platforms, you're still going to find today very relevant, I think. We are talking about UGC, the latest buzzword, a three-letter abbreviation. It means user-generated content and it's part of the whole influencer marketing obsession that people seem to have these days. But how do we do it as opposed to messing this up, which a lot of us seem to be doing? So we are talking with the founder of My Product Model Studio, Daisy Sepulveda of My Product Model. They do product shots and video for Amazon sellers, but also offer user-generated content services, or they work with influencers, which is another buzzword we need to unpack. So Daisy, welcome back to the show. Good to see you. Hey, good to see you. Thank you for having me. Pleasure as always. So let's plunge into UGC. First of all, let's define it. I've said user-generated content. What does that mean? User-generated content is anything that, first of all, that your customers create. So like customers like to create content for brands because they're excited about them and share them on social reviews. So on Amazon reviews, it's actually user-generated content because it's coming from the customer. And anything that is in written photos that you see underneath the reviews in the context of Amazon, that user-generated content but there's also a user-generated content that comes that actually brands get created through content creators. And so you're seeing a lot of that on TikTok and on Instagram and any other uh, social sharing channel, even on Amazon now with Amazon influencers, the videos in that are associated with the products are also UGC, even if they seem more, a little bit, maybe more polished or something like that, more, more creative or they're made by an Amazon influencer. So user-generated content is not always, so user as meaning consumer in, in the context of physical products, but it's not just, strictly speaking, purely the initiative of the user. They may be generated by a user, but it may be an influencer has, surprisingly, influenced them to generate that content. Let's talk in general about this and the trends that you're seeing, because you're right at the heart of this, because you run the influencer agency or perhaps content creator is a better word yeah, and yeah. you also do the the more controlled studio type shots so what do you see happening in in this whole space so ironically i think we, we talked about this a little bit before but the influencer marketing space and the content creation space are bifurcating so there are influencers that are sharing building their audience um, advising their audiences on what to buy and what they like and about information about the products or around the product but then there's content creators that are creating content that is specifically for the brand. So they're not distributing that content out to their audience. And a lot of times content creators uh, may not have a big audience. They're not trying to convert it for dollars. The brand is actually paying them to create that content. So then the brand can use it to distribute through their channels or to use mainly in like ads. So Instagram ads and uh, TikTok ads have become 
like insanely crazy since the, since 2020. So a lot of creators are just creating what looks like authentic customer style. They're not as polished videos around the products that the brands have been using in ads. And there's a whole process to how that's done. And that's what we do is recreate the customer experience in a way that the brand can use it so that it's brand safe and it can be used against ads on TikTok or on Facebook. And, and then you can match them up so that there's different kind of compilations of creators, more than one creator in a video. And there's other information that is used in that ad that's just mashed up with the actual like content creator saying this product is great and using the product, showing how the product can be utilized. Wow. So a lot going on here. What it feels like to me is that mixture between in, in the TV world, a documentary, which is traditionally real stuff. And then there's a scripted soap opera, which is clearly artificial and everyone knows it is. And then there's the reality uh-huh. TV programs, which is that happens about 10 years ago. I got involved with my music hat on in a couple of those. And it turns out they're just as scripted and fake as a soap opera, but they're made to look like they're real. <laughs> yeah. So for example, yes, I was exactly. working with a singer and they would say something like, okay, the, the guy would say, I think they call it VTs, but somebody off the, the, the director would say to the singer, okay, I want you to tell me how worried you are about the high note. And then they cut that bit out and the singer would say, oh, I'm really worried about my top C today. And I'd sit there thinking, no, you're not. This is what you do for a job. It's you worrying about picking up a camera. This is ludicrous. So it's just a scripted. But I think what strikes me, I'm not saying that, by the way, it hasn't got millions of views or that it's bad. But what strikes me is that what you're saying is that rather than creating genuinely grassroots content it has a grassroots feel but you have a bit more of the control so from the brand's point of view that's actually the ideal mix right is that a good summary or is this am i off the mark here no you're exactly on the mark because and there's a lot of reasons a lot of practical reasons why it's done this way but number one your customers are not necessarily want do not necessarily want to be in front of a camera so that's number one you can incentivize them to create content and there's a lot of ways to do that, to get your your actual customers to create content, whether that's leaving a written review on your website or on Amazon or any other social sharing site, whether that's taking a picture in your community. So if you if you create a community that goes along with your brand, Sephora is really big for this. We're actually a Sephora partner or I'm a Sephora partner. So I create content directly for them that gets seated into their community. And they're very good about how they do best, that it looks organic, but it also discloses to the public that this is a content that has been acquired from content creators. But you can also get content from your, all from your actual customers by incentivizing them by running contests, by asking your audience, creating a fun way for them to give you video testimonials for those that want to be in camera. And also like featuring your customers on your website, telling them that you're going to feature them on their website. And they love that and not your social media channels. But you're also, what's behind the scenes in all of this is that the legal aspect of it, that there's disclosures. So you have the rights, you're getting the rights from the customers to be able to run these cut this content across the social media channels and run to run ads against it and so forth. And a lot of times you really need the volume of this content and it's really hard to get organically. So you have to go through a number of sources. And one of those sources is actually using content creators because one of the big incentives of using content creators is that they're incentivized from a business standpoint to give you a great review or to create the content that you actually need, the pieces and the parts of the content that you actually need to run the ads. And also they understand that this is going out to the audience or to our future audience, a future customer 
as a, from the standpoint of a user or a customer that has already purchased the product. And so they're going to hit all the talking points and all the targets that you need them to hit from a customer standpoint. And so then also the biggest part of it is the legality of it. So the licensing of the content to run the ads and so forth and so on, where just talking to a regular consumer about that and getting them to allow you to use that, those images can be more complex than just actually using a content creator. Yeah, I can see that. Again, it makes sense because you've got a sort of crowdsourcing issue, haven't you? I'd rather go to one mm-hmm. bank and have a good relationship with the bank and be able to raise $50,000 than go to 50,000 people and raise a dollar from each because that would be a management <laughs> nightmare. And this isn't quite the yeah, same, okay. but it, insofar as you see the videos or pieces of writing or photos as assets that you're buying effectively, then I could see why exactly. you'd want to go to somebody who knows how to deal with them, who knows how to deal with the legals. And it makes a lot of sense. So... Just mm-hmm. backing off a little bit, what I think I'm getting from you, and again, I want to just drill into this a little bit, is the use case for influencers, or you're calling them content creators. Because traditionally, I've seen one of my clients have, in the mastermind have used influencers, and some of them have done big pushes every so often this. They've seen it as a solution to getting traffic to Amazon to either cut through the noise on Amazon to get a product launched and visibility or to mm-hmm. get more affordable traffic. It strikes me that's very inconsistent, though. That's what I've seen. But what you seem to be talking about, and I want to check on and to drill into this, is this more about how you get the content of ads made, but ultimately you're going to have to pay money to get the traffic. So tell me a bit more about that use of influences in the traffic versus content. Yeah, with influencer marketing, especially like in the Amazon ecosystem, credit to Amazon because it really built out their influencer program. And full disclosure, I'm part of their influencer program as an as an influencer, an active influencer. But you're right, the traffic is hit or miss. A lot of things are seasonal. We can have like great following and great engagement. And sometimes our audience just doesn't want to buy what we're selling. And also it takes about 15 introductions, impression points for a consumer to actually buy things. And unfortunately, a lot of small brands are not, don't have the runway to wait it out and to keep investing in influencer marketing in order to see those conversions actually take place. Another thing is that from an influencer standpoint is that your business model is to create content on a very hyper regular basis. So you're putting out a new piece of content every day, maybe three times a day. And so your feeds get flooded and maybe those conversions don't hit the way that a brand would like, specific brand would like to like them too. And when that actually applies to like the Amazon ecosystem with the Amazon influencer program as well. But with a content creator, if you're using influencers to create content, you're mainly, you're probably going to be using nano, what we are now calling nano or micro influencers. And these are just influencers that don't, that haven't built up a following yet. And, uh, but they're also learning how to create content, how to create it in a way that, um, is going to resonate with their audience or resonate with just like the algorithm as a whole. And so they're still just learning the ropes of it, how to build an audience, how to create content, what their niche is and all that stuff. So I find that a lot of brands and including ourselves, we use a lot of creators that are influencers that are nano influencers. They have very small from a couple of hundred to a couple thousand followers. Um, But then there's people out there that are just doing content creation for UGC. So UGC has just become its own thing where brands are just hiring UGC creators that are just really good at creating content that it just looks aspirational, but it's still relatable. And that has just become, that's where I'm talking about the bifurcation where uh, influencers has gone one way and it's matured as an industry, but content creation, and especially in terms of uh, UGC has also matured in its own right as well. 
Okay, so let's break this down a bit further, by the way. <laughs> You're speaking very California-ese now. Rational, oh, but related. This is fine, <laughs> but we've got to break this down. If we're going to sell to Americas, which is by far the biggest Amazon market in the planet, as Brits and many of us do, we need to understand what this is all about. So aspirational, but relatable. Yeah. Break those words down for me, because I feel like there's some important clues here about why we're trying to make it look like user-generated content, even though it's an early-stage professional creator of content by the sound of it. So why are those yeah. words important? Oh, is this very important? I actually talk about this in the PDF that I, the ebook that I created for you, for your audience. And I can go into great detail about why aspirational and relatable are such important words in this context. So aspirational is you have acne, you have pimples, and it's really like just a roller coaster. And you don't expect to have model flawless skin where you just have no imperfections and you just weren't born that way. And just loosely speaking, there's an ad with person in it. And actually she looks like me. She has curly hair, she has brown eyes, we have the same features, but oh, wow, she has a little bit of acne. And she's talking about how she's cleared up her acne, how her acne was much worse, and how by using this product, it has, you know, cleared up her acne quite significantly. I would like to be like her. So it's relatable because she looks like me. We have the same type of hair, we have the same type of uh, facial structure or whatever it is, but it's aspirational because we both have the same problem and she solved her problem. So I aspire to be like her to solve my problem. Now, the demo, the demographics don't have to match perfectly, but because aspirational can also be same age range. It doesn't, it crosses gender. It can cross ethnicity. It can cross like socioeconomic lines as well. But for example, someone that you're in college with, another college student, that's very relatable. And, but maybe they're somehow doing better at something or they, there's, they didn't, here's an idea. They didn't gain the freshman 15. How did they do that? That's aspirational or they lost their freshman 15. There's just a, an ad out for something like what that. What is a so, freshman 15? This is another bit of <laughs> freshman 15 is the 15 pounds that you gain when you're in your freshman year of college. What, which is your freshman year? Is that your first year? Your first year, yeah. Okay, in America. right. It's okay. a whole thing. Yeah, yeah freshman 15. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, like in Britain, you normally gain more than that because people drink like fish here because, of course, we're legally allowed to when you go to college, whereas when you go to what you call school, you're yeah. theoretically not supposed to be drinking in many cases, whereas we have no barrier there and we have a drinking culture. Yeah, the freshman 15, I like it. But I hear what you're saying. This is very interesting. So mm -hmm. it feels to me like the difference between... We've talked about aspirational marketing before, which I think is really important to really get a clear handle on your theory of psychology right whether it works in practice mm -hmm. is different but you've said before about aspirational photography which is to say that somebody looks better than the consumer does probably or in their mind the consumer and they have that kind of flawless modern skin or skin if it's a skin product for example and what seems to me is this is like a halfway between where the consumer feels they are or perceives they are yeah and where they perceive this next person yeah interesting so there's and i presume there are a lot more people that are have the sort of relatively good looks but not flawless looks than there are models and they're probably cheaper as well and it sounds very kind of cynical thing to say but i guess you've got to make sure that the economics of it works as a business is that accurate or is that a wrong way of looking at it yeah did you see guy it fluctuates or there's a wide price range because you are working with professionals and this is what they do for a living and so it's not like just seeding your content from your customer base so yeah, rates with UGC can range from a couple of hundred to a couple of thousand. Most content creators work with a wide range of brands, but they specialize in what niches they're, what markets they're in. So for example, there's kind of UGC creators that just work with beauty products or with uh, personal care products. 
There's UGCs that work with digital or tech products, for example. And as a studio, we pretty much work across the board. We're a studio, so we're equipped to do everything from beauty to, to tech products or household household products, electronics and stuff like that. And so you'll find range like for one video on, on some of the lower end markets. You'll see a video going for like a UGC video for $100. And you could find those on like democratized platforms like by maybe Upwork, for example, and maybe just on Instagram, just contacting UGC creators or Twitter, contacting UGC creators directly. But on the average, moving upstream a little bit more, you'll find that content UGC creators are normally offer their services in packages, a single video or five videos or 10 videos. And the reason, and that can get up into a couple of thousand dollar range. And the reason being is because the content creator understands that the brand is going to run ads against this and they need to have enough content and enough of what we'll talk about in a a moment, a brief, enough variety in the brief to be able to edit that content up into different ads so that you can run lots and lots of ads against those UGC, that UGC content. A lot of what the content creators are creating are just clips and photos and one-liner testimonials and stuff like that. And then all that's going over to the brand and it's being edited together. In some cases, UGC creators are also editing the videos and then also managing the ads account. So what we do, for example, is the whole thing. We create the content, we create the brief for you based on your product. And then we bring in the creator, we in-house the creatives aspects of it. And we'll match it up into a number of ads and we'll run, we'll run that content against ads and Facebook, TikTok and so forth and see what works for you. A lot of the brands outsource their ads uh, services. So. Yeah, that makes sense because I guess you, you need to test multiple things with ads, don't you? As I understand it, I'm good, goodness knows I'm no expert with Facebook. You got to think about the audience and think about the ad copy and you got to think about the creative side, the images or videos. So having somebody who can mix up all of those elements until they find the, the thing that works, assuming they can find anything that works. Yeah. Sounds good. So I, I guess since we're getting into the how to do this thing, yes, definitely talking in the next episode about how to create a brief for any image professional. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like the content creators you're talking about are basically maybe earlier stage professionals from what you're saying, maybe very seasoned, but in, they're still creative professionals, but we need to manage them correctly. But coming back yeah. to how this works, and one thing we're implying is budget here. So we've talked about mm-hmm. the cost of the actual creation of the content. You've got the ad cost on top. What sort of mm-hmm. budgets do you see it ranging from and to? Okay, well, okay. from a studio standpoint, like ours, like there's a couple of studios like us in this space, we're charging on a monthly basis. So it's a recurring rate and it can be anywhere from one to two videos a month for, let's just say I've seen price out there from three to 500 to a couple of thousand for two to 3,000 for 10 videos a month. And that includes the raw content and that does, but that doesn't include the ad budget, obviously. So it can, it's a wide range, just like influencer marketing. You can seed your influencers yourself, or you can outsource it to an agency and get a couple of, and, but it's going to cost you more money, but you're going to have access to more influencers. Great. Thank you. And again, this another, how long is a piece of string question, but what sort of ads mm-hmm. budgets do you see being used with those kind of content? Oh, geez. Wow. So on the small end, on the very, very small end, so you can say like five figures and on low five figures and with no judgment on how the results are for that, for that brand. On the high end, obviously like million dollar budgets are running UGCs. We, the brief that I'm going to show you is actually from a major brand that we, they run million dollar ad, ad budget, ad spend with Facebook, just to give you an idea. And like, we're constantly creating 
new mashup raw content and then mashing it up for them. So it can it ranges, but it gets up there pretty high. Yeah. Okay. That's slightly intimidating for, I believe, probably the majority of listeners, depending on who's listening. But nevertheless, low five figures, you could do a lot worse than spend a few hundred dollars for two or three months for content creation and a few hundred dollars a month for ads and see if you can really move the needle because it depends really, doesn't it? This is outside of your remit, but would you, what stage would you say that people tend to use this because obviously you've got the Amazon ad system within Amazon and that's getting more and more complex and sophisticated. At what stage yeah. would you start to bring in this outside advertising, which is obviously more expensive and a whole new ball game to, to learn or to manage? I think so what so specifically with Amazon brands, I think you actually you have to actually have sales before you get to UGC because if you don't have any views on your brand page or on your product page and then you have these like great UGC videos you're running somewhere else, then the consumer, the potential consumer is going to click through and then see that you don't have any sales on your product. Nobody is actually bought or reviewed your product anyway. And so the whole, your whole case kind of unravels very quickly. So I think that it's a later stage strategy. First, obviously, like we talked about in our previous interviews of getting the content, getting your photos, your product shots, getting your product video, getting your copyright, uh, is, is really important, obviously. Getting all those things, those are the basics, fundamentals. And then after you've gotten some sales and you've gotten some reviews, I don't know, 10 reviews, or because that might mean that you've made 20, 30 sales, you can start matching up you know, based on feedback, some of UGCs from, from content creators or from your audience specifically. But, but you do need to, this is a later stage marketing strategy because if no one has used your product, if nobody knows about your product, then the UGC is going to really come, it's going to unravel and become fake very quickly. Very obviously fake as opposed to plausible yeah, fake. Yes, very obviously <laughs> fake. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. And the other thing I would say is that whenever somebody tries to pull a marketing lever and spend, especially if it involves spending substantial money, in order to counteract the fact that nobody's wanting to buy their product on a platform that is geared to shopping and buying, it's not Google, <laughs> is it? Or Facebook, where people yeah. are geared to cats falling off tables. Guess what? <laughs> Probably means you people don't want your product or you need to tweak the basics of your listing. So mm -hmm. I, yeah, I would exactly. Say, I have seen people do that. I, I once had a client come to a fairly early stage client come to a mastermind meeting. We looked at his conversion rate and it was something like 0.04%, which is the most amazing thing I've ever seen as a statistic on Amazon. I said, that can't be right. And then I looked at what he'd been doing. He'd been running Google ads to his listing. As, so that's an example of how not to do it. And it sounds wow. obvious. And this is probably too complex to set up for somebody to even consider doing something like that. But I would just say, if you're early stages and your product's not selling, please, please don't get in touch with Daisy and spend lots of money. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. that's not the solution hear. to a problem. <laughs> but, <laughs> a lot of people think that influencer marketing or content creation is the solution to selling your product, especially for a product that hasn't sold. So I've had, we've had clients with very big budgets that have not sold a thing and somehow they raised money from somewhere, they got money from somewhere and maybe it was a previous business or, or they had some investors and they want to start like this massive influencer marketing program, but their basics are not like their website is not even convertible. They can't even offer promo codes to their, to the influencers to incentivize them to sell and, and they're not even willing to distribute their product in order to get content creators to create content. And that's another thing that you have to be willing, you have to have enough excess product 
or be willing to spend on distributing the product out to the content creators or influencers in order to get the content. So they're not going to buy your product to create the content for you. And, and they're not going to definitely not going to do that for free. So you have to be willing. You have to have the budget. You have to be able to see the project, the products out to the content creators. If you want to accelerate something that's already working, then I've certainly seen that. And what we had one guy, the mastermind, who was doing, I don't think it was even UGC, it wasn't as sophisticated as what you're talking about. They were running Facebook ads, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure what the content was, to email capture. And they these guys already had a million dollars a month in Amazon sales. And they basically doubled mm-hmm. their sales directly through their D2C site. It was incredible success. And they were spending $50,000 mm-hmm. a day at, at some point on Facebook ads. But, but those guys had got to substantial six-figure revenue on Amazon before they even began to do this. And I'm not saying that that's not what you're saying, but I mean, it seems, sounds like you need to get to a certain tipping point. Could, just, be, just to wrap this one up, can you define for us mm-hmm. a little bit more in any other way that, that makes it a bit more concrete who should be considering this, what, how to define the tipping point where UGC is really a good option? Yeah, so I think that UGC and is a really good option when you're thinking about growing your social channels. To put it like plainly, if, especially from an Amazon standpoint, an FBA standpoint. So you've put your products on Amazon and you've done all the, all the things that you need to do to make sure to start selling within the Amazon ecosystem. You run Amazon ads, which is actually getting more and more complex, but you've done all that stuff. And now you're thinking about other channels outside of Amazon that you can then use to convert on Amazon. And at that point, especially if you're thinking about Instagram, we have a lot of clients that that have successful Amazon products or brands. And then secondary, they went to Instagram and started growing their Instagram account. And that's when the UJC came into place because that's also when they started running contests for their existing customers. They started gathering testimonials or from their existing customers that they had on Amazon through some kind of loop capture. And so basically it's like the second tier of marketing. It's not the foundation marketing. It's the second tier of marketing when you're starting to branch out on those social channels. So once you start thinking of marketing your product on Amazon, I'm sorry, on Instagram or TikTok or running Facebook ads, that's when you need to start thinking about UGC. And you need to start with not maybe a humongous budget, but maybe thinking about getting like maybe three UGC videos done and then rotating or testing, A-B testing what is more, more effective in the ad space. And then also just getting just on the social aspect of Instagram or TikTok, getting people interested in the functionality or the usability of your product, whatever it is, whatever problem it's solving. And a lot of people actually, if you don't mind being in front of the camera, if you're a seller, you can start doing that yourself. So because you know your product best. So you can actually just use yourself to create a GC video if you're just like bare bones, just getting started. That's really smart thinking, actually. And thank you for mm-hmm. providing a more sort of, what's the word, a more relatable, if that's the word, on-ramp to yeah, getting yeah. this done. Because I think... People overcomplicate stuff like this sometimes. They see you and they hear the budgets and they're like, wow, this is too expensive, too sophisticated. And actually, yeah, starting with yourself as a user, assuming care about the products. And if you don't, you've probably got a much bigger problem than we can solve in this conversation. Again, Mm -hmm. joking apart, a lot of people create product lines they don't care about. They don't know any users. They're not a user themselves, which is a Mm -hmm. terrible problem. 
but yeah, I think Pluggable is one example. I can't remember how you spell it. It's P1G, I think, that has incredible YouTube content and they deal with, as the name of the brand implies, stuff that connects things mm-hmm. to other things. And they've done really well with this an organic strategy, so not quite the same thing. But they have got some of their staff. I think the original founders did it originally. And they start yeah. off by creating content. And that could be a way in to, to, to do it on almost no budget, but still a lot of effort. And then if you get something that works, I guess you could start to consider putting some advertising budget behind it. Is that a sort of way that mm-hmm. you've seen people do it? Or is this just pie in the sky? Yeah. Even when I run, when we had our own Amazon products, that's the way we were doing it at first, where it's just, uh, if, I don't know if you remember some of my earlier stories, but like with the button pants, for example, it's. It was one of those functional things. And then just getting my friends that were fit in that plus size demographic to just wear the pants for the day, sit down, stand up, show how it hasn't marked your ways, show how comfortable these are, how breathable they are. And you're just getting viral, which looks like organic content. There just happens to be a camera. And honestly, you don't need professional equipment. So we use mainly iPhones for <laughs> capturing UGC because it has to have a prosumer feel. Like the audience obviously knows you're filming this on purpose, but they don't want it to look so professional that it looks like a commercial. So the iPhones, the cameras and the smartphones just make it look like it's shot viral. It's not shot on a tripod, but it's shot on the handheld. So it's shaky a little bit. It looks like you just grabbed your phone and just held it up and said, hey guys, look at this lipstick. It's great. It's nude. It's not too strong. It's not too powerful. It stays on. It's matte. It stays on all day. Look at how, look how great it lasts all day. And then, you know, you wait like six hours. And then take another clip and you go, guys, I've had this on for six hours and look, it's still there. I've eaten and you show clips of you eating. You show clips of you drinking and it's still there. And this is amazing. I love this product. I'm never going back. So you just think of a lot of lives to say at the same time. Yeah, interesting. And that prosumer is another little <laughs> word that a pro-consumer, in other words, it's got to feel like the sort of person that spends a life telling you what they're doing on TikTok or Facebook. And many of us have friends like that on Facebook. Yeah. I can't tell them are my favorite friends, but they're influential. Sometimes they're the people you mm-hmm. love to hate. Like my wife goes, oh, and so is doing X again. They're talking about it to me. I normally waste time because I'm not in the target market. I'm like, whatever. But the truth is it's having an impact, right? So this, I suppose this is a sort of expanded version of what people are already doing. You have the camera yeah. there, as you say, but people document their whole lives anyway these days. So yeah, it's all yeah. sort of normal these days, isn't it? It is. World, it's really. very normal. And people are looking for solutions to their problems. And the people, the where people look for their solutions, to their problems are people that are closest to them. So whoever, and not like necessarily emotionally closest to them, but physically closest to them. You're more likely to be friends with someone that sits a seat from you or next over at work than someone that works on a different floor. For example, you're more likely, so you're more likely to trust like your best friend that you go to school with every day or that you go to work with every day or whatever that you are an expert on TV that you've never met. You're more likely to trust like you're an expert in your neighborhood or in your, that you have some kind of access to than you are an expert or doctor, a famous doctor that you've never heard of. So these UGC videos just make people feel closer to them than they actually are. And if they're your favorite influencer that you see every day when you open your social media app, your Instagram app, your TikTok app, whatever it is, and then you see them on an ad recommending a product or something, then you're more likely to believe them and trust them than you are no matter what the, I don't know, the FDA or the CDC says. So <laughs> no matter what an expert, what the view, you're going to trust your local influencer more than you're going to trust, I don't know, Joey Behar on the, don't see me, but Joey Behar on the view or something. 
I'm just making stuff up now. Sure, no, but it's interesting what you're saying. As somebody, I guess, that comes from a formal sort of educated background, I suppose I find this slightly alarming, but it's absolutely true. My dad was a trained lawyer, but people probably believe somebody who says stuff about legal style on a Facebook feed who they know really well than somebody who actually studied it and did it for 40 years as a job. Yeah, it's yeah, a strange world we true. live in, but you're right. So we have mm-hmm. to work with that. And I fall into this trap all the time, really. Yeah, I suppose that's why I like podcasts, a little bit more formal, so we can actually talk to people who do actually know their business to, like you do because you've been doing this stuff for years and it's your full-time job yeah, so actually yeah. I mean, you're talking about i'll say just being being having been a model or being a model and then and being in ads where no one knows you they just see your face and they think they know you but they know nothing about you and and the believability the trustability when you're so far removed from what people uh, think of your life versus what your life is actually like is much more alarming than actually influencer, it's much more easier for people to be more relatable as an influencer than it is as a model because there's a lot of tropes that go along with careers. So lawyers, there's a trope that goes along with lawyers, which makes people distrust lawyers. Same thing with doctors that people don't have readily access to. But I will say like being an influencer, um, because you talk and you're talking into the camera and you're engage with your audience every day and you're being a real quote-unquote real person people engage with you and believe you more they're more likely to follow your path or buy what you're selling as a model just being on the completely other side of it people think just generally think oh that's good for you i'm a regular person i don't i've had literally had this said to me i don't look like you i wasn't born like you oh running works for you that would never work for me you must have good genes you're different but as an influencer, just changing the context on the same first and then just being able to share my story with like skin or weight or hair or whatever it is, completely changes the context, even though I'm the same person. And literally, they could be looking at an ad of me the same way. It's, it's, very, a, it's interesting. very interesting yeah. what, psychologically what people buy into and what they don't. See, this is what I like about your approach with this stuff. Obviously, you're good at the nuts and bolts of creating UGC, and we must give people a chance to do that and wrap this up because I want to get into the brief thing. The fact that you have an understanding of the psychology of this is, I think, really important because that's part of what you bring to the table. I think what amateur advertisers or marketers can have is they obsess about the tools or the latest trends, but what they're not thinking Mm -hmm. about is what's driving behavior, which is ultimately what we're trying to influence. We want to buy people to buy our stuff. We need to understand where they're coming from, what influences them. And you, I know from our conversations before, it always struck me that you have this very sophisticated understanding of the psychology and the subtleties here. And that's a very striking example. Same person, different relationship, different effect. That's so yeah, interesting. Definitely. Well, definitely. Look, we, we ought to get yeah. to the nuts and bolts here for people to make a bit of a living as well, because you're giving so much value <laughs> to us. That's, this is great yeah. stuff. I really, as ever, I feel like I learn a lot from our conversations. So tell us about what services you offer. Obviously, you've got the UGC services now, user generated content, which as we've learned is more content creator content, maybe. So tell us what you <laughs> offer Amazon sellers who are wanting to do this sort of stuff. Yeah, so we offer content creation for product shops. So they, for your listing. So you send us your products and we create beautiful images or relatable images that solve people's problems. Uh, use case images has been like the driver for a little while now in Amazon. It's just immediately showing the consumer. Um, how do you, how many ways they can use the products and what is practical. We don't, I love to say this because I think it's very important because I still see it on Amazon and drives me crazy, but we do not Photoshop your products into environments, into backgrounds. We actually create the staging. Everything is original or the flat lays 
which is basically it on a on a on a tabletop or on an aesthetically relatable or the, to the product and and all the use cases. So we do all the kind of product shots and uh, we try to help people to showcase their images or their products in the best you know, way possible. We also do the, the videos, the brand videos. Those are obviously far more in-depth, but in the creative process, we try to go through through it with a narrative, so storytelling process, not just like, here's the product and buy it now. We try to show as many ways as possible. Obviously, depending on the brand's budget, but how you can either use the product, drink the product, eat the product, wear the product, the product, the problems that the product solves as well, whatever, in whatever category it's in. And, and the third thing is the UGC aspect of it. So uh, as like we said, I'm in the Amazon influencer program as an influencer. And so what I've seen firsthand is how Amazon is incorporating influencers into and UGC content into the brand listings themselves or the product listings themselves. So we can create that kind of content for the brand to use in their, uh, for their product photos along that go along the bottom of their product listing as, as well. And then also the content that goes for social media channels as an Instagram, TikTok, which is all video, but Instagram is also photos that we can sell it to them in packs so that they have content they can constantly rotate. So changing up the environments, changing up the models, changing up the use cases of it. So that's a lot. We do those in bundles, social media bundles, and then also the video content as well. So UGC for ads, we can also manage the ads budget and do the ad spend for uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all that stuff. And and beyond that, I think I mentioned to be you this earlier, we've expanded quite a bit. We've also changed our location. So we're based in LA, now we're based in Atlanta. We're opening up five other locations, studio to make it easier for customers to send us their products. And also it's just the volume of work that we've had, a lot of customers that clients we've had. So we've had to grow quite a bit, but also creating a whole educational backend for our customers because Sometimes they either grow out of our services and they want to in-house everything, which which naturally happens in natural progression. So we really um, want our client base to do that. But now we're starting to offer courses, for example, in UGC for people that are brands that are either uh, not ready for our services or are also beyond our services and are looking to in-house all of their marketing and sales. So. Yeah, that's interesting. Wow, you guys do a lot. <laughs> You're busy. It's, but it's all very consistent and of a piece. And I think that understanding of psychology mixed with formal images and allegedly less formal images, well, the prosumer idea, is a very sophisticated psychology and understanding behind it. And obviously, you've got the nuts and bolts down cold because you've done it so much. So yes, the education piece also interesting that you're saying that it's either for people who aren't ready for your services or they've got to the point where they put it back in houses. And it's interesting to articulate that a lot of people use agencies at a certain stage of growth. And mm-hmm. I've seen that as well. Actually, some of the biggest clients I've worked with are getting up to the sort of eight-figure range quite often will build out their own internal teams. But I would say trying to go straight there is harder than it need be. I just think it's wise at some point to bring in the experts, if nothing else, for their insight. So I'm glad that you're offering the education. Yeah. And hopefully this is part of educating people and bringing your education to people, which brings me just to that a, a final couple of points. The first one is you've got this UGC guide, so user-generated content guide and mini mm-hmm. course. I, and I believe if you go to amazingfba.com forward slash UGC, if we can get that, just remind us what's in your guide there. Yeah, basically in the, we created a guide actually just for your listeners. So when we decided to do this uh, interview, I really got to work and put this together. So it's a UGC guide just for, for Amazon brands. 
And it covers all the basics of MM of UGC. So what is a UGC? Types of UGCs, the benefits of UGCs, why, why UGC, why now, what categories UGC is good for, and then how to secure, how to source UGC content for your brand. All of this is high level, but at the same time, it'll give you all the information you need to start thinking about your UGC strategy. So finding and hiring creators, how to work with creators. So basically the instructions and so forth. And then of course, there's some information about our content studio and how you can work with us. It's a, document that'll, if you're looking to get started with UGC, it'll get you started. It'll get you started to think about your strategy and then it'll get you started on the research, at least before you start to pull the sugar. Yeah. Wow. That sounds pretty thorough. I have to say, I'm honored that you created it for us. I hope you reuse it for some other podcasts just because I wouldn't want your content to be wasted, but that certainly sounds really powerful. So amazingfba.com forward slash UGC for that. And then finally, if people actually want to pull the trigger and go and hi, you guys, or at least have a conversation about it, I guess they go to what myproductmodel.com. Is that still the right place to go? Yeah. So myproductmodel.com. And I guess after this call, there'll be the downloadable link on our site as well. So you'll see it on our landing page of where you can download the guide. And yeah. Great. And, and then and all of our, you can set up a sales meeting with us and all that stuff just right from our website. Perfect. And the final sort of sweetener for that is if you want to work with Daisy and her team, then if you use the promo code AMAZINGFBA20, then you get 20% off, <laughs> which is worth having because yeah. that will buy you just that bit more user-generated content to drive your sales. Listen, this has been an epic and really great deep dive. Um, yeah, I've, as ever, I feel very educated by talking to you. So hopefully <laughs> listeners do as well. There's more. We're going to talk about how to build a brief for image work, but we better cut that off there because that's a lot for people to take on board. So for the moment, yeah. it just remains for me to say, Daisy from My Product Model, thank you so much for sharing some really interesting insights into the whole world of UGC. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.